And that's it. We are live on the internet. How you doing? I'm doing fine, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing really great, Rick. So I'm really excited to have you on. Um, real quick, uh, Rick Kaufman is the founder of the Kels Group and the Drowning Warriors. And this organization was inspired by the fatal drowning of his daughter uh, 25 years ago today. Today is the 25th anniversary of Rick's daughter, Kelsey, uh, passing away in a public pool, um, eight feet away from a lifeguard while under the supervision of a babysitter. And it's just a, a terrible story. And um, one of the, the longest, probably one of the oldest, I would say, um, I, I've heard, you know, most you know, people I've talked to who have lost someone have been more recent. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, and I think it's really special that you chose the, uh, the 25th anniversary to kind of to talk to us today. So I, I really appreciate that. No, well, I appreciate you, Eric, and all that you do with Lifesaver Pool Fence and uh, everything I've learned about you recently and your company and what you guys stand for, not only the education and what you put out, um, uh, the wealth of information and and um, and meeting a lot of, uh, I've met some of your other dealers and, and their inspiration and what they do. And so I really, I really appreciate everything that you do um, in the drowning prevention and water safety space, and especially with your podcast here because it's um the the people that you have have, uh, have a wealth of uh, background experience and everything that they can bring to the table and then use in the medium of the internet because 25 years ago um if you remember you know uh um dial up and america online and you know it was really expensive and so the internet was not it was just getting started and so our outreach 25 years ago was pretty much just in our own backyard in the local community and uh but my daughter's accident didn't make the uh, national headlines and news. We got cards, letters, and uh, coverage from all over the country. But, but yeah, the, it, the internet and with what you're doing just makes a, a completely different impact in allowing the you and and all the other organizations out there to reach people that they probably otherwise wouldn't. So, uh, was there anything that I missed or that you wanted to cover in, in the story of how it happened five years ago? Mm -hmm. Um, no, no, you really touched on everything. I just want to say, I just want to say, you know, um, uh, I, I wrote a blog post this morning. I posted, it went out the way well, I wrote it yesterday, but it went out this morning. But um, I just want to bring attention that, you know, you know, it's not about, you know, 25 years later, it's not really about me or my daughter's story um, that the message that I try to get out. But I mean, I'm, the story is important because I talk a lot about, you know, who you're, who's your child with or who's watching your child. And in my case, it was a babysitter. And um, I had a pool. I was a father of two children. Uh, two, uh, one eight, and then Kelsey was three, and um, we had an in-ground pool. And as a father at that time, and as a family, we thought we did everything right. We thought we did everything just as we should. Um, you know, we. Uh, I remember speaking to my daughter. My oldest daughter was in swim lessons, uh, and the babysitter was taking her to the swim lessons during the summer at, the, at our local pool. And um, you know, of course, you know, our younger daughter was three. She went the, the summer before. She had. had 
attended some of the swim lessons and we had checked with the um, swim instructors there um, uh, with the with the city and, and everything. We didn't have at that time, we didn't have a YMCA in our community or anything like that. So that was the only place that you could go, at least locally, for any time, any type of swim lessons that we were aware of. And I remember a person, um, I remember the conversation as we wanted to check to see if we can lessons and they told us no, she was too young. And from what I remember, uh, they told us that she'd have to come back, you know, at, at the age of five. And um, we didn't know any better. So, um, you know, uh, we just left her. I mean, to your credit, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics at the time used to tell people that five was the age to enroll kids in swim lessons. And, you know, even back in 1987, 89, you know, we used to rally against that because we knew that drowning is the number one, at the time, number two. Um, unintentional cause of death for kids under five. So most kids who drown have already drowned by the time they reach five years old. So to tell people to wait until five, I always thought was um, was probably catastrophic. I mean, how many people like yourself got that advice and followed it, um, and it, it turned out poorly, you know? Right, right. Well, you know, we're just an average parent. I mean, just the average Joe that walks down the street goes yeah. in a Walmart and... Yeah. And so we look at these people that uh, run swim schools and teach things and they tell us this. And so we look at them as experts. And uh, and so why should I question what they tell me? And uh, and in hindsight now as a parent and when, you know, looking for somebody to teach, whether or not it's our public school system or wherever your children go. In other words, who's your child with? Who's watching your child? What are they teaching them or what? And 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 the thing about it is, is what we found is that I find since then uh, when I've asked that, usually if you ask those questions a little bit further, you'll find that these people will tell you that they don't believe uh, that a child should start to swim for whatever reason, like with the infant swim rescue and resource, you know, starting as early as six months, if I would have known that, and they were around in 1993, I had never heard of them. And so from that standpoint, um, if my daughter would have had that, uh, you know, um, ability to be able to do that. Um, she would, I, be, I believe that she would be here today. Um, and so them, you know, as an expert or as people like that, you know, if they were aware of that, you know, being out there, even if they don't want to teach that or the, or they don't, uh, you know, want to take children that low or that young, they should, I think as professionals, they should do everything a professional should do is give the parent the necessary information. If somebody wants to go out and have that education, they should at least supply them the information, leave it up to the parent to determine where to go, who to, who to pick and choose to do, you know, go from there. But that was never given to us. Now, maybe it might've been because they were totally unaware of it. I don't know, you know, what was, you know, what their reasoning was, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the things I talk about a lot is, you know, um, you know, just as a parent, you know, ask questions. And if you hear some, there's, there's, you know, the thing about it is, is there's no wrong question to ask these people. There's only wrong answers. And if you don't agree with their answer with the internet, to what it is today, do your research, do your due diligence, go out there and find. And that's a lot about what our messaging and what we talk about is, is, uh, you know, because I, um, you know, so what is it? Safe Kids Coalition says, you know, 50% of the parents, I believe, don't concern themselves. They either don't care or don't concern themselves or don't believe that you know uh drowning will occur and so a lot of this is 
you know, I go back 25 years ago before today, if I was to sit down with you, Eric, and I had an, I had a, an in-ground pool and we had a chain link fence back in 1993 it was a top of the line chain link fence. And, uh, you know, we had two gates and neither one of them had a lock on them. We never put a lock on our gate. Um, and so people could come and go. Um, they weren't self-closing, self-latching. The, the fencing company never explained any of that stuff. And I'm and those, and those gates were around then. And, um, and just, you know, not, Oops, I think my microphone might have just kicked in here. <laughs> um, I don't know if that, uh, if you can, can you still hear me all right? I can hear you fine, yeah. Okay, there we go. And um, I just want to make sure because it just, for some reason, my microphone just kind of switched out on me here. So, and uh, so, okay, good. And so, you know, so even though these were fencing companies, they never explained to me when we put in that new fence around our pool. Um, and, it, and I was not aware of anything called, you know, barriers, you know, layers of protection. Um, had no clue whatsoever. We were concerned about drowning and I was a good father. And I believe part of the problem is, is if uh, you sat down with me 25 years ago to talk to me about putting in, uh, you know, one of your fences, uh, you know, I, I, I think part of the problem with parents today is um, they don't believe it's going to happen. So in other words, um, you know, we don't, we all have opinions on how people parent, but we don't want anybody to tell us what we should do to protect our children. I think that's what, how I might've felt 25 years ago because I was a good father. I was always there with my child, but she always wore those water wings, those floaties, um, you know, the, the blow up ones that you, know, you can find every place today. And uh, so when she pulled them, they weren't allowed. And so, uh, never having any clue that of a false sense of security, that that might've gave her. I mean, we learned so much about her accident 25 years ago. The only, the only answer we don't have is uh, how she wound up in the pool. We don't know. Did she jump in, push it, get pushed? Uh, did somebody throw her, uh, you know, uh, what, you know, how she got from, you know, we know how she got from the kiddie pool area to the big pool and what all transpired, but how she actually got from the side of the pool into the water have no clue what happened there. And, and, you know, that'll be one that, um, I guess after I'm dead and gone, she can tell me exactly how it happened. That'll be when I'll find out. How old was she? She was three years old. Um, she was actually two weeks before her fourth birthday. Um, her birthday was, is July 3rd and when she would have been four. And, uh, so, and, and we had a foundation 25 years ago at the time. Um, you know, we, we realized there was many mistakes made in the CPR, uh, from what we had found out, um, through the paramedics, the hospitals, children's hospital. Um, but again, you know, at least CPR was performed. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't want anybody to take something away from that as a negative because you know there there was a lot of things that were done right but at the same time you know um there was a you know in other words i guess i look at it this way they always say well if the moon and stars align right then everything's fine well in this case the moon and stars aligned against us in that day and it was just one little mistake on top of a mistake on top of a mistake all combined together to really cause this um you know this accident to, to, in the outcome that uh, came about 25 years ago so so um so see CPR was a real big part of what we did after that, providing people with CPR and the lessons and free training, um, of which then what I learned with CPR and, and then uh, 
also um, learning CPR, I, I had an opportunity uh, in 2013 actually perform CPR on my wife when she had a horse riding accident and basically was blue and broke 11 ribs, punctured lung, scapula, two brain hemorrhages, broke her back in seven places. And so I was, I performed CPR and she's here today. Um, so from that standpoint, the importance of CPR, you never, you never know when you might need it. Could be in a drowning, could be something else, but you know, what we know to, you know, um, the thing about it is, is my daughter's accident 25 years ago, if that didn't happen, I probably would never, I, I wouldn't have known CPR in 2013, most likely. And um, so that's just how important it is to learn these things, whether or not you believe an accident is going to happen or not, but just to know it and, um, and, but not wait for something to happen before you take action to, you know, try to try to change things or, or make a difference. So, Kelsey was with a, a babysitter, you said, right? How old was the babysitter? Um, you know, I don't really recall. I think she was probably in her 20s. Um, she was, um, when she started watching uh, our children, um, she was a, she her, she was married, um, but she had no children. And then eventually, shortly after, I believe Kelsey had drowned, she started, you know, she had a family of her own. Um not a lot of contact with her. We did, uh, I owned a business in town for about uh, 20 plus years. Um, I did make connections. They did come into my place of business, my storefront and everything. And, um, you know, I, I forgave her. Um, she broke down, fell on the ground crying. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine the pain and I hold no ill will against her. It was an accident. There was mistakes made. And um, my goal, you know, and, and I'm looking at possibly reaching out to her as we move forward with some of the things that we're doing. And we're focusing a lot on babysitters and trying to provide training to babysitters around water safety. My wife and I are uh, licensed foster parents. And um, we, we've had as many as six foster children in our home. Um, the, the one thing that when we go through foster care and they're, you know, so essentially we're a babysitter, I guess you could say, um, that I find very, very ironic because they're really in your face about safety, about, you know, everything about child safety around the house. But when it comes to a swimming pool, the only thing they want to make sure is, um, that you have a fence so that you, in other words, you comply with the local zoning laws or whatever that is. Other than that, they provide no training whatsoever when it comes to pool safety. <laughs> and um, here they are worried about, they provide us with so much other safety training. You know, we have to know CPR, we have to know first aid, we have to know everything and, and all the, you know, hotlines and keep our medication locked up. Um, you know, everything that we have to keep, you know, away from these children to keep them from, you know, to keep them safe. But then if I had a pool in my backyard, they don't even come and inspect that. They don't really seem to care that much. And that I find that, the, you know, to be very odd, um, you know, from that standpoint. So we're talking with our uh, organization that we foster through and uh, looking at maybe start providing some training, things like that about water safety and putting some emphasis on, you know, if, if you feel it's just as important to keep your drugs locked up, we can't keep our medicine. And, and same thing with like just the average everyday Tylenol or cough medicine or, you know, holes, um, you know, cough drops. We have to keep those out of reach of these children. And so from that standpoint, but I can give complete access to a toddler you know, to a swimming pool and you're not concerned about door locks alarms i mean we have door locks we have door alarms not because we have a pool but because they tell us we've had autistic children these kids can get themselves out of a safe um <laughs> and i you know we have um infant 
safe door locks that I can't even open. And um, we've had uh, autistic children, 10, 12, 13 years old in here that can just get themselves out of that door just like it was, you know, opening up a can of peanut butter or something. And, and I can't even, and I can't even, you know, get myself in into the door. Uh, so, so that's, I, I find that that's um, very into in today's society with what we know about, you know, the, the drowning being the leading cause of accidental death to children between ages of one to, four, one, to one to four and the second for, you know, um, for children, you know, up to you know 15 years or under 15. Um, you know, there's there's not that whole lot of concern. Uh, and I, I find that to be disturbing, uh, you know, 25 years later after my my daughter's accident. And, you know, we had, like I said earlier, we had our own foundation. We did a lot of work. We provided things for volunteer emergency squads, such as PD boards, because we live in a rural community. I live out on a farm. And um, if I call the emergency squad, I get a bunch of guys in pickup trucks that show up here. And, um, and uh, so from that standpoint, and then eventually a squad will show up. Um, and the likelihood that we found out 25 years ago, the likelihood that a, an emergency squad would show up with the, you know, one size for adults, one size fits all. But when it comes to children, you need you know separate PD paddles, uh, PD boards, trach tubes, all these things. And a lot of times the volunteer squads didn't have those. So we provided tens of thousands of dollars to the area squads to pr provide for those. But you know we we ran that foundation for about eight years and then we shut it down uh, following a, following you know the breakup of my marriage and the divorce. But but then for about 15 years I kind of I wandered. I reinvented myself many times and just was searching for something. And then about three years ago I started. Started, uh, looking back into the drowning I was being I felt like I was being called to come back to the space and um, and 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 take you know what happened 25 years ago and then I started doing some research on the numbers and in 1993 uh, from what I remember the numbers were like 4,300 drownings in the United States and over 400,000 worldwide and what is it today or at least uh, according to the most recent numbers is around 3,700, um, you know, drownings, um, you know, uh, in the United States and around what, 372 or just over 370,000 worldwide. So in my opinion, the needle hasn't moved a whole lot in 25 years. And so um, that was rather disturbing to me. And, and even despite those numbers, um, you know, that, that foster care system you talked about, I mean, that's just a symptom of the way culture um, underappreciates the threat of drowning, right? Uh, you know, we right. know the other things to be concerned about, but it's not the foster system's fault. You know, the foster system is just living in, you know, a nation that doesn't really fully appreciate, you know, how serious the threat of drowning is. Exactly. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, uh, um, what really kind of, I felt like what was calling me back. And then about three, about a little over three, four years ago, I started, and you know, I came across the NDPA, you know, the National Drowning Prevention Alliance, um, started looking at them, following some of their information, wanted to go to their first educational conference several years ago. Um, but I talked myself out of it. And the reason why I talked myself out of it, because my daughter drowned in 1993. Um, and I felt like, what you know people people might be saying well i've actually had people i mean just to, to tell you know i mean people in my own family because of what i'm doing they tell me to get over it it's been a long time ago that what i'm doing is unhealthy um and but 
you know, I just ignore it because they don't understand, you know, they're, they've not walked in my shoes. And uh, I believe what I'm doing is extremely healthy um, because, uh, you know, I'm going on with my life, but at the same time, I'm doing something positive, trying to bring something, you know, positive out of something that's so negative. And then for about, you know, 15 years after we stopped our foundation, we, I really didn't do anything. I worked a lot in the grief space and talking with families and parents who lost children told my story to, you know, uh, many, many people. I've been interviewed on the BBC radio. I've been, you know, with our local TV stations. I've been with some national TV stations. And so, um, you know, so from that standpoint, you know, about grief and uh, about things, I've been able to tell my story uh, and, and my daughter's story. And so, but then I felt like I was being called back to this space. And so, you know, that, that's when I started looking at the NDPA, um, you know, many other foundations and organizations and because of the internet, what the internet is able to bring to that is just, um, you know, opened my eyes to just how big the problem was because in 1993, I knew children drowned and I could read the numbers national, but, you know, to be able to share the stories, it, it, you know, it just wasn't there. Um, I mean, you know, if it, it, you didn't hear about it as much um, and as uh, as we go on, we hear about it a lot more. And I think I think some of it's kind of like my heightened awareness um, right now, because, uh, you know, it's like when you go buy a new car, you know, you, you buy one and you think, hey, I got the only color. And then you go down the road and it's like it's, you see you see everybody has this car and that color and you thought you was being really original. So, so, you know, I think at one point in time, we kind of go through life with blinders because we're not really aware of it. So we don't notice it as much. And then all of a sudden, once we become aware of something, we see it, we start seeing it and noticing a whole lot more. And so I believe the messaging here is what's really, really important to, you know, find some type of messaging, something that will begin to resonate with those 50% of the people that really don't care or aren't concerned about it, who are like me, because I thought I was a good father and, you know, if you tried to sell me a pool fence, I could tell you, I could probably give you, you know, 50 million objections why I shouldn't really have one because I'm a good father. I'm always there. I, why should I spend the money to do this? All I have to do is comply with the, the bare minimums of what the law and the zoning and things like that in Ohio and my local community tell me I have to do. And then that that's all I have to do. And um, I, I, you know, um, there was an article I get. I'm sure you get Google alerts, right, Eric? Uh, you get all the Google alerts and everything. I have one set up for Ohio and there's actually a, a, a big, a new brand new pool that's was scheduled to open on, in Ohio on Memorial day. Um, you know, like with, you know, they, they have like 11 lifeguards. It's, it's a city, it's a, a municipality pool. Um, and it's like a seven, $7.5 million pool complex. Well, a state and state inspector, well, evidently they had this in these plans and part of their main gate going into these plans, the plans uh, did not call for, self-closing self-latching gate and they were so and then prior to the grand opening a state inspector came in and shut them down because they didn't have the gate and 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 the and the person with the city municipality said well nobody threw all our plans and everybody approved our plans nobody brought this to our attention and then he then he made the comment he said um but most city pools and public pools like this, the main gate to the pool area does not have a self-closing self-latching gate because it's because it's a manned gate. There's a person there. Um, going back 25 years, my daughter was put into a kiddie pool, which did not have a self-closing self-latching gate. The gate was left open. That's and so she was able to go from the the kiddie pool area, which had a fencing. And I mean, the pool was inside the 
you know, the, the fence area with the large pool, but it was fenced in to be separate, but they, the gate was always left open and nor did it have a self-closing self-latching gate. And so here it is 25 years later and people who are still in charge of our children at pools like this still don't get it that, you know, you have a man gate or somebody watching a gate, we are, if, if we're all parents, we know how fast we can turn our back and be and be distracted for a split second, and bam, here comes a little toddler that's, you don't even see them walk by you. And the next thing you know, you've just given them complete access because you, you, because you have a man gate, and which is open to human error. We all make mistakes. We don't intend them to happen, but we make mistakes. And, uh, and that, I find that very ironic, 25 years later, some of the mentality of these people that run these facilities are still the same way. And actually I'm going to share that post um, here today because I find, you know, I find that, you know, 25 years later with a 7.5 million or whatever budget to build a brand new pool. So I want to thank that state inspector for shutting them down and forcing them to put in the proper gate, even if it was missed on the plans. That's why they, that's why they do inspections because people miss things. 100%. You know, and and you're so right. You know, anything that's left to human error, um, I think, is too big of a risk. You know, if we can, you know, I always say that there's no way to 100% drown-proof a pool or a child, and that the more layers of protection you put in place, the closer to a fail-safe system you get. So, you know, the uh, the manned gate, you know, combined with a self-clothing, self-flashing gate. You know, it's just a safer system than ha only having, you know, the, the one. So I, I think you're 100 percent correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, and that's just and that's just one piece of the puzzle. Right. And that, you know, as a parent, 25 years ago, if you would have told me that, you know, I'd probably be thinking just like the guy that's running that pool today because he thinks that he can put a 16, 17 year old kid on the gate. He's a trained lifeguard and probably a very professional trained lifeguard. But again, you know, if he's clicking that little clicker, counting how many people, because they can only have so many people in, in the facility. So he's keeping track of what he's doing. I mean, he's, he's multitasking on, a, on, on many different levels and how simple would it be for a child to slip by him uh, or, you know, thinking that, well, that child's, you know, with mom and dad, you know, mom, mom, mom and dad are going to keep, but then mom and dad get distracted. And then where does that kids go? That kid wants to immediately go to where the water's at and the toys and the pool, because that's where everybody's playing and having fun. And so, and it gets right past them by the gate. And so from that standpoint, I just, I, I just, you know, people's philosophy, sometimes it takes me back to that. You know, that's why I say the reason why I'm wanting to get re-engaged here and get re-involved is because over 25 years, I haven't seen, uh, you know, as much movement as what maybe I would have expected. But again, there's improvements. Um, and I think um, everything's moving in the right direction. The education, what a lot of these organizations do. Um, you know, I was invited here to go down to Kernersville, North Carolina for their water safety day and with Darlene Haskins and uh, William, her husband is one of your dealers. And uh, so, you know, um, and they're in the Greensboro, North Carolina area. So, you know, um, very, very passionate family. Um, they don't have a personal experience with that, but they're very passionate about, you know, making sure that um, nobody has to go through what I went through or, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of other people do. And then, you know, um, Paul DeMello, I met Paul DeMello at the NDPA conference, you know, great guy. What he's doing tragic story you know magnified you know 
so much more than what my situation is. And, you know, I've met so many others and I don't, you know, and I, and if I don't mention somebody, I apologize because, you know, there I've, I've fostered a lot of new friendships, um, very tragic stories. And, uh, I've learned a lot that, you know, um, just in my short few months here of being reengaged with a lot of these people and with the direction I want to go, um, and so um, the Kels group um, basically is named after my daughter, Kelsey. That was her, her older sister always called her Kels. And, uh, um, you know, part of that Kels group is, is our is building a platform, and, you know, to be able to give a voice to those who no longer have a voice, because I believe that's the messaging because trying to, to reach those people who thought like I did 25 years ago, you know, how do you, how do you communicate to them? That's what I'm really trying to figure out because I'm really trying to communicate to myself. Um, and, and when people don't want to listen, you know, that's, that becomes a problem. And, you know, I've actually had people tell me that it's a parenting problem and it's like, you know, it's, it, what it's a parent. Well, yeah, because, you know, they're not watching their children. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to pass blame on, you know, and say it's a parenting problem, but, uh, but, you know, until, you actually um, until it happens to you and then I just look at him and say so you're telling me I was a bad parent 25 years ago no that's not what I'm saying and I'm like well yes you are and um, so you know and trying to just change people's mindsets to understand because I look at it as like an iceberg okay and everybody knows that you know what is it 10 or 20 percent of you know the iceberg is above water everything else is below the water and I look at it and say we're reaching the 10 or 10 percent or whatever that's above the water but if 50 percent of the people aren't concerned and don't care those people are below the water line and they will always stay there so they're already drowning they're just drowning waiting for a for an accident like this to happen whether or not it's a drowning and I know like yesterday you and I talked about you know children in hot cars I mean and then you know you look at all the different ways that parents make simple, simple, small little mistakes or forget, or because they've got so many things going on in their life that they, they just walk out of the car or walk away from a pool or answer a cell phone or answer a text message. And next thing you know, it's that quick. And, and I, and I talk a lot about the seatbelts, you know, we all put seatbelts on our car. Why do we do that? You know, I'm, you're, you know, I, I know you remember a time that we didn't have to wear seatbelts. Right. <laughs> and then I know when, um, you know, when the law came out, I went for years and didn't do it. I, I didn't want to be told that I had to wear a seatbelt. And, but now I put the seatbelt on in second nature. And so the law, you know, so did I put the seatbelt on because I didn't want a ticket or did I put it on because, you know, um, I, I wanted to, you know, maybe survive till tomorrow. And one of the reasons why I put it on is because my, I started having grandchildren and my children, you know, grew up with this law that, you know, they understood this. So they told me, Hey dad, or Hey grandpa, you need to put your seatbelt on. Well, now I do it and I don't even think about it. So the laws, so those laws have really changed my behavior. Same thing with car seats. And then, you know, mothers against drunk driving with three strikes, you're out a designated driver, just like the designated driver is for like our water watcher, you know, a designated person to watch the water. I mean, so, so the messaging I think is, you know, is there and it's like, but, you know, how do you communicate to those 50 percent? Because those are people that will never reach until until it's too late. And then, you know, they come in and become part of uh, our group or organization or our club that nobody really wanted to be part of. And so you know, um, with the I, belts, I say that all the time now. I've been saying for the last couple of years, you know, if you wouldn't own a pool, I'm sorry, if you wouldn't own a car without seatbelts, then don't own a pool without a pool fence or without layers of protection. You know, and right. I think that that idea has resonated with people 
And and to your point about the messaging, you know, about mothers against drunk driving and about, you know, click it or ticket or all of these other kind of um, PSA messages. And we've had a few that have gotten some penetration, right? We have uh, Pool Safely does uh, simple steps save lives and Pool Safely mm-hmm. is a verb, which I like. Um, we have the Safer 3, Safer Pool, Safer Water, Safer Kid, which I like. Um, there's, there's layers of protection, which we all know. Now, there's a handful of them out there, but there's not, the, to your credit, there's not one that's really um, taken a national um, kind of syndication or nat- uh, national saturation yet where it's really caught on. And I don't know if that's a, a marketing issue. I don't know if that's a phrase issue. Uh, I don't know if that's a cultural issue. Um, but, you know, we, we don't have something like stop, drop, and roll for fire safety um, right. when it comes to drowning, you know. Right. And, you know, and so, you know, I, I've been in business for over 30 years and you're a business person. And usually, typically for business people, entrepreneurs or whatever, you know, uh, our main focus here is to find a problem and solve the problem and then uh, and provide the tools. And so I look at drown water safety and drowning is a very broad, broad area because it covers so much to do with water. It goes all, you know, everything from infants to home, in-home, you know, bathtubs to, you know, cruise lines, the fishing industry, the oil industry, um, you know, that have oil rigs, you know, everything that you have, they all have water safety, drowning prevention, um, all the way to, you know, USA swimming and everything. And so from, from that standpoint, I look at that and I say, so I really look at it and try to break the problem down and take it down to even, um, you know, um, what is the problem here? And the problem I believe, and, and I'm thinking like myself, I'm not a highly educated person. So I'm just trying to put myself in that frame of mind where I was 25 years ago. And then how would I communicate to myself 25 years ago? And if I can figure that piece of the puzzle out and begin to look at that, and then I can break that. And then I can begin to target those 50% of the people that really don't concern themselves. I mean, when I go out and I talk to families and talk to people, um, I, I find that they say, oh, yeah, I'm terrified of drowning, but then they don't do anything about it. And, you know, and then they, they say, well, I just don't believe, you know, it doesn't happen that much. And then I say, well, let me enlighten you. And um, so, you know, trying to find that messaging uh, to to tell people that uh, hey, it can happen to you just as easy as it did with me. And then, you know, and, and with Bodie Miller, um, you know, as, as the facts are coming out about that, just, you know, they were in the house talking and just she just just slipped through a doorway and outside out, you know, and got outside and around a pool. So. You know, so these people with that public pool here in Ohio that doesn't want to put itself closing, they should look at that story and say, okay, here she, you know, this was, you know, she got through a doorway and into a pool area. And so, and look at all these other stories that go along with that. And then usually, so, so is, I find. Is that what happened? The last I heard, and I heard this the day of the drowning. So there may have been a bit more information. Um, but I had read originally that it was a, uh, a pool party. So are they, are they now deciding they were, the kid was, was inside the house? Um, well, there may be a pool party going on, but okay. they went to a neighbor's house. This is what I got because I, I set up Google Alert so I can get any updates that are coming out about this. I can begin to learn, you know, yeah, for, uh, be able to share this. Yeah, just to back up, for anybody who doesn't know, which I think everybody in the water safety community knows, but outside of our, our group, um, Bodie Miller is a gold medalist in the uh, down alpine skiing 
uh, Winter Olympics, mm. and right. he was also a commentator for the 2018 Olympics. Um, and him and his wife had a 19-month-old daughter, and two days ago, she tragically uh, drowned in a, a backyard swimming pool. And, and so that's kind of right. what we're talking about. Yeah, and and I think originally they said she was pool party. There was a pool party. There may have been a uh, some type of gathering, um, but evidently, um, you know, they went into the, the neighbor's home inside the house to speak with them, and and then um, while they were talking, um, their daughter somehow got out the door. So if there was a gathering of people, such as a pool party, I'm imagining that probably people going in and out of the door all the time. And she probably just walked right out the door unbeknownst to them, which, you know, um, can happen. Um, you know, we were talking about car seats, other things. And so just kind of a little bit of a story here about my youngest son, who's now a freshman in college. But, um, you know, shoot, when he was about two, three years old, maybe, um, um, I was cooking hamburgers in the kitchen and uh, walkers. We used to be able to get walkers that had wheels on them. You can't buy them unless you find them in a garage sale, but you can't go to the store and buy them. So I had a walker, had wheels on it. And, you know, he's in the kitchen just, you know, doing his little bumper car thing that he did. And, and uh, I'm at the stove cooking hamburgers. And next thing I know here, I hear this boom, 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 boom. Well, he got too close to the ba uh, basement stairway and fell down the stairs. And just that quick, where 10 seconds before he's behind me while I'm cooking hamburgers, and within seconds, he was laying on the, the floor of the basement, um, you know, um, you know, wasn't seriously injured or anything, um, because I don't know how many stairs, 15, 20, 25 stairs he went down, so... He probably did. Who knows how many flips and somersaults and came out of the came out of the walker and was laying flat on his back. And so, so from that standpoint, you know that that right there can show just how fast a child can. If a child is mobile, they can move. They can, how fast they can go from point A to point B. And you know, if uh, if I had a you know, and we had um, at the time we didn't have a pool. We, because, uh, following our daughter's accident, I actually hired a contractor come in and he bulldozed and dug the pool up and but we buried it, um, because nobody else wanted to swim in it. Nobody else wanted to use it. So several years went by and it just kind of, you know, um, just was an eyesore. And so we just decided to get rid of it. And so, but if I still had my pool, you know, he could have easily went in his walker and went the other way. And, um, and then went out that door and, um, instead of going down the stairs, fall in a pool. And then most likely I probably would have looked every place before ever checking the pool because, you know, just like most parents, my child won't do that. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we want to, we want to believe our children won't crawl through a doggy door and have access to a pool. But, you know, I know if I was a little kid and there was a doggy door, you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going through it. Because <laughs> that looks pretty cool to be able to go through a doggy door. You know, I, I you know, go so. out doggy doors all the time. You know, a lot of kids go out doggy doors. You know, it happens all the time. You know? um, right, right. And so with, with uh, Paul, Paul yeah, Mello, real quick, uh, Paul Mello says, my man Rich, my new friend, Bond Forever. Uh, Eric, ask him the tough questions and how and what ways we're not getting it done and missing the mark with water safety. So, so yeah, I guess to Paul's point, um, you know, in, in what ways are we missing the mark? How are we, how are we not getting it done? You know? Um, 
I believe I believe we are getting it done. Um, you know, I guess I guess the point of this is is it's it's a personal thing with me. It's you know. Um, we need to do it faster, more quickly. Um, but how to how to how to do that? I think with the internet today, with the access of the internet, gives us the availability to reach everybody. Okay. Whereas before the internet, we didn't have that ability. We could not. I mean, we'd have to go direct mail, door to door, beat on doors, and and it would have took you know millions and millions of people. But today, with the internet, you can sit here as one individual person, put together campaigns, put together some type of program, or as a collective group of people, you know, all the organizations together, um, be able to put a messaging and be able to target, laser target people via the internet that have swimming pools. You know, you and I were talking about the Facebook advertising. I mean, you can go right into Facebook and target people that have interest in swimming pools. They have interest in safety. They have interest in swimming that are children, that are new mothers, that are new fathers, that are families with children who have swimming pools. And so we can get very laser targeted messaging and, you know, and from the standpoint of a marketing and my background is in, you know, business and marketing, you know, it's an average of what, seven, eight touch points. Somebody has to see your message before they take action. So, so, you know, if we, if we just focus on sitting our booth up at the County fair, we're seeing the same people all the time. And then we trusting on word of mouth. Well, everybody knows that if I do something really bad, they're going to go tell 10 people, but if I'm doing something good, a lot of times they don't, you know, they, they agree with you and say, Hey, great job, great job. But they don't go tell anybody. But if I turn around and, and I do something and I offend somebody, you know, okay. Or if I do something that uh, might upset them, they're going to go tell 10 people. And so from this standpoint, you know um, you know, I just think, that if, if we're going to say we're missing the mark, um, which I don't think we really are, but but it, it's just like if we want to accomplish more, I don't know if this is proper English, but if we want to accomplish more and more faster or or quicker, then then um, you know I think that's where we might be missing that looking at the bigger picture of what the internet can offer with like what you're doing here, I mean because this goes out into the internet and it's there. And anytime and it becomes a searchable asset that is an asset of lifesaver pool fence, but is also a lot, an asset for drowning water safety that goes out there that, you know, two years from now, if somebody like me decides to start searching something on the internet, guess what? I find this video that might give me one, that I can glean one golden nugget from that can maybe change my direction, change my life, protect somebody for me to make a difference in my life. But if I don't do those things and I don't, you know, in other words, look at this space and say, uh, dominate this space. I know I, I, I one of your Facebook posts not too long ago, you, you finished the book, crush it. I think you said, right. Uh, with, you know, with Gary V I, I listen to him all the time and I really, you know, I mean, he's all about domination and, you know, Grant Cardone and his book 10 X and, you know, about dominating the space that you're in. And I really think if that's the case, um, just like clicking her ticket, uh, mother's again, drunk driving they dominated the space they got their messaging out and they got it to millions and millions of people and that's kind of our messaging what i'm looking at say with the kels group and then aka the drowning warriors because my shirt here i don't know if you can see it but it says i'm a drowning warrior that's my superpower um oh can you see it here i saw the top of it yeah i got it yeah um oh, wow. and so i look at what's that that's really cool 
Yeah. So it says I'm a drowning warrior. That's my superpower. And really my superpower is this, you know, I can wear this shirt and it has the word drowning. And if I wear this out and it's amazing uh, when we wear this shirt out, the attention it gets people look at us kind of funny sometimes like what oh but you know if i wear this out to a pool just had the word drowning i think brings awareness and will make people concerned so if i wear this to a beach or i wear this to a pool um you know people are going to see that and they think drowning oh yeah well i'm around water drowning it can happen um and so you know part of it as being what i'm saying here is we fight for people who no longer have a voice but at the same time um it's an it's a fight every day and so it's about messaging and about building a movement and creating a movement and and focused on reaching the masses and reaching a lot of people and building a platform and because one of my goals over the next decade and 20 and 10 years is to reduce drowning by 50%, which means that we, you know, going from roughly 3,700 down to below 1500 in the United States and not only just in the United States, but worldwide. And which I think maybe I think in the 10 years to reduce drowning in the United States by 50% is very, very possible. I mean, I think it is possible and, and without probably as much effort or work as what we might think. But the other part of that is, is, I think from a worldwide standpoint might be much more difficult because we're dealing with third world countries. We're dealing with people that, you know, there's the infrastructure, the education, the things, the tools and the people just aren't available. So for us to make that big of an impact from a worldwide standpoint might be tougher, but from the United States, I think it is totally doable to reduce and set a goal to reduce those numbers by 50%. Once we hit those numbers, let's go after the next set. Because as long as there's water on this earth, I, we're never going to really end drowning, um, you know, in some, but we can, we can, um, end, you know, in other words, we can end drowning as we know it, which is what it, the drownings that are preventable. Okay. Such as the backyard pools, you know, where there's, you know, public, you know, we can bring awareness to it and we can do that. I mean, accidents are still going to happen, you know, um, one way or another, whether or not somebody drives a car, I know you're down in Florida and I know one of the biggest problems is, you know, people, you got all those, what, what those, uh, I don't know what you call those canals or what are you, what do you call those in Florida? But I guess people drive off into those and they drown in their car and the kids drown. And, and I, so, so you got a lot of other issues there in Florida that we don't have here in Ohio. And I think in Ohio we have, so you, so I think your state, Florida and other states like Florida probably have a much high, uh, more heightened awareness of drowning than people here in Ohio do because you know, our swimming season is very short, you know, three, four months. Um, and, still, and then, you know, even, even though drowning has long been the number one cause of death for kids under five or for one to four um, in Florida, I still don't think people fully appreciate, you know, the level of, of threat. And, you know, I just don't think they, they quite realize. Um, I think there's a chicken yeah. going on um, because it's so common. <laughs> It doesn't make the news because it's not unusual enough to be newsworthy, right? It's not like a tornado right. or, or something out of the ordinary. Um, and at the same time, because it doesn't make the news, people don't know about it, right? So it's kind of a weird conundrum. Uh, and I just wanted to say, right. Stephanie, Stephanie Marie Robertson, uh, who is fantastic, um, writes, the biggest help with getting drowning out there is having pediatricians talk about it. I am thankful that my children's pediatrician works with me and tells every new parent and movable child the risks of drowning and gives my information out. Um, she started a foundation called Nathan's Water Wings after her son right. uh, passed away. And uh, 
and I think she's right. I think pediatricians getting the word out is definitely a, a key component in you know educating people, at least in the U.S. Like you said. Right, right. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with what she's saying there. I mean, you know, to have to have professionals who see our children all the time and, um, you know, having them access, have access to this information to be able to give to the people when they come in um, is a real key. Again, it's about the messaging, you know, not just the Internet, but flooding every avenue that we can do with the messaging and getting the people because, um you know, that, that I think is where we're going to make the biggest impact and, and, and we're getting there and we're doing things. And, but I guess, you know, you know, going back to what I was saying is when I look at it 25 years ago to now, um, I guess I expected more and, uh, and maybe we have a lot more because for about 15 years, I was, I just spoke in my local community, did some things and, um, but I really wasn't an advocate, I guess you would say like, you know, um, for about 15 years, because I didn't know, I didn't know where my place was. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And then I was, there was also a fear component because I felt like, you know, people are going to say, why, why now? Why 25 years later? Why, why didn't you do this 25 years ago? Part of it is, is I feel very, there, there's, I look at the accidents that happen today that in some cases are very similar to my accident. If I would have done things 25 years ago and would have be doing what I'm doing now with those accidents have happened. So I feel guilty. Um, last weekend I went down to Dayton to an event um, for Jessica Knight. I don't know. Um, I actually heard about this um, accident through Paul DeMello. He shared a video. They went there from Ohio and they went to Florida on a family vacation. And um, I believe it was last summer and her son drowned. Um, and she found him. She performed CPR. He survived, but he's now going through hyperbariatric, um, you know, oxygen therapy and a very, very tragic story. I went down to Dayton and met her. Um, she's, uh, she's all by herself really doing this whole thing. And, um, you know, um, and I told her, I says, you know, um, you wouldn't believe how many people are aware of your story. And when I told her about Paul in Florida sharing a video from a year ago, um, she started to cry. She started, she had tears and, and it hit me. And she asked, she asked me a question that I hadn't been asked for in a long, long time as I shared my story. And she says, how did you survive that first year? And I just told her that I was numb, which I don't think I, I mean, I think most parents would probably agree and say, yeah, you go through that was numb, but I've really reflected back over 25 years. And the answer was, is my faith. You know, I survived it because of my faith, even though I don't remember how I got through day to day to day. Um, but you know, I believe that I would be with my daughter again and that's what I believe. And so that, but at the same time, now it's time to take, you know, these things and put them to action. So why now, 25 years later? Well, I believe God was refining me for 25 years, if you want to say. Um, I reinvented myself so many times from a business owner. I was an investment bank with Chase Bank uh, to driving semi trucks, traveling the world, meeting people to, um, you know, do, doing the other things I've done in business and owning an antique store, learning Internet, you know, learning everything from, you know, Internet marketing to everything. Everything I've done over the last 25 years, I believe, has done nothing but prepare me for this spot that I'm at today. And so that's why if somebody says to me, so why, why 25 years later? That's what I would say. But, you know, um, her son, Leland, is going through, um, you know, a tough time. And uh, and that, that breaks my heart because um, that's why, I, you know, I, I don't do this for myself and I don't do it for my daughter. I do it because... I see her pain 
and her pain reminds me of my pain. And I don't want anybody else to go through that pain. And because it was, it was real simple because she told me and shared with me, if she would have known some of these things years ago, you know, or, or, or before that, she would have made different decisions um, that day. But whether or not she even would have went on, she said she was more concerned about going to Florida and her son being eaten by an alligator uh, because of the media attention that, you know, got what that one accident there a few years ago. And so, you know, so she was more concerned about that than she was about her son being in a pool. And, um, and she was where with other family members and it was, you know, similar situation where just lost track of them for that split second and, and not knowing to look in a, look in a pool or a body of water first before you look other places. Um, Paul writes, uh, one of his best friends lost his daughter out of a doggy door leading to a backyard swimming pool, which will happen shortly mm-hmm. after my twin drowning. Uh, way too many kids are still drowning. It's the world epidemic. It's not being treated as such for selfish reasons. We have to do better and can do better. We need social media, TV, billboards, PSCs everywhere. And it needs to be all year round, not just summertime. And continue to take a look at what ages, where and why this is happening. More and more all over, laws need to change. And education in the schools and daycares, this is ongoing. And this is an ongoing effort for everyone with a redundant message that needs to, to never not be talked about. I agree with that completely. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think what he's doing down there in Florida and, and with his organization is just awesome. And I was hoping to win his motorcycle he was giving away. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, bought a, I bought 25 tickets for that. I was really hoping to get that thing. You bought how many? Twenty five hundred or twenty five? I bought twenty tickets that came out to like five hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, twenty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's like, uh, oh boy. Um, I mean, but with what he's doing, I mean, uh, that, that I mean, he's got a um, a strong message, and, uh, and and not just Paul, but every everybody does. Just like you know, Stephanie and and all the others that that watch your show here, and then that are also out there that are busy working every single day. 12 months out of the year, you know, 365 days a year, they live, they breathe, they eat, you know, drowning prevention, water safety, because they understand the importance. And unfortunately, you know, um, you know, part of what I talk about is reaching out over the last several years to many people and getting crickets. And, uh, um, you know, and, and, and it is, and it might be in some cases where these people have stuff on the internet and they're no longer involved. They no longer do anything because people start foundations just like we did 25 years ago. And, and we, and they stop, they give it up because they're, you know, they, maybe they can't go on with the work anymore and there's nobody really to carry on their mission. So they stop doing what they're doing. And so in that case, it might be the case. And I've met through my business and everything. I've met other people um, that have been referred to me because, um, you know, one, one person comes to mind as I'm, I work with the MDA out of Cincinnati, Muscular Dystrophy Association, with a, a, a large project here in the state of Ohio and things that they're doing. But, you know, they referred me to the Spina Bifida, you know, organization in Cincinnati. And because of my story, my drowning story, because she's a grandmother of a grandchild that drowned in a backyard pool at a family barbecue. And, um, um, and, you know, and her story is, is the family doesn't communicate. They don't talk. They won't, they can't, it's happened several years ago. They cannot and will not go out and become an advocate and speak about this because, you know, they're, 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 I guess, I guess, you know, feelings are still very raw, very, very difficult. Um, and, and they're still pointing fingers and, and playing the blame game. But, uh, but you know, um, 
But how many people are like that? When I look at the NDPA, the numbers, and I look at how many organizations are out there, and then, you know, how many I don't know about, but, you know, um, I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of organizations, and I'm only aware of a small fraction, 30, 40 maybe, that I'm aware of. Um, and so, um, and they all, you know, it's like, how, how can we find them all? How can we get people that, you know, even if they don't want to get out there and tell their story, but to become, uh, I guess, a silent partner, if you will, you know, of, of, of the movement and um, because and then share somebody else's story if they can't share their own. So, uh, Paul asked what actually I was going to ask. Um, how do we get the shirts? The shirt is cool. And I want one. And Paul wants one. <laughs> Um, basically what, I mean, you know, we can get you a shirt. That's not a problem. We can get everybody a shirt. Um, one of the things is, is with our, our, um, our website and with our organization, we are building out a membership site. Okay. So part of this is we're going to be giving these shirts away for free through our membership, through other programs. Um, but obviously if people want a shirt, we can, you know, we can definitely put up a link where they can go and order a shirt. Um, again, I think it comes in all the way up to five X and, um, or four or five X, which is pretty good size. Um, and then, um, but you know, then with our membership site, we want to do, you know, I talked with you yesterday about that. We want to begin to do educational webinars, um, putting some basic information together, um, kind of like what you're doing the podcast. This is very similar, but, but, you know, either putting out the education and then giving that information. So again, trying to reach those people that are like, I was 25 years ago um, and maybe just giving them little snippets of information and then giving them some place where they can go find this and then begin to build partnerships with businesses like Life Saver Pool Fence. Uh, the technology piece, because I, you know, 25 years ago, the technology exists today that could have prevented my daughter's drowning. It wasn't around 25 years ago and the technology is, is advancing so fast that, you know, um, after the NDPA conference, I received a, an email from a guy who's, who has patented a new design, but doesn't know how to launch it for the cruise ship industry. And he's, he's got a design that is a handheld item that lifeguards can basically what it is, is that it's a net system that shoots out of an air cannon that if somebody falls off a cruise ship, it shoots out an air cannon because uh, a cruise ship takes how long to turn around. And by the time they get turned around to pick somebody up, if, if, even if they do turn around they can't find the person because they're just like finding a needle in a haystack in open water like that right so he's developed this cannon that would shoot off the back end of a ship that you know covers like a thousand square feet and it, it's like a, net, a floatable netting it holds hundreds of, so in other words if a ship even sinks you can get hundreds of people on that but he's developed a handheld system that he's in the process of getting patent right now that can that a lifeguard can do and in that way if a child or a child or people are stuck in a rip current he can fire that thing out from the beach side by the water side to reach those people and then get in a net and then he can pull they can pull that in great i mean so here's a guy that is developing technology or developing system that you know is trying to bring this to market but, you know, we need more people like that. But how many people out there are developing technology that are engineers that have the ability to do these things to that can really affect and make a difference? So that's kind of a direction that we want to go and begin to partner with businesses and, and help these people, you know, do this. And part of this is with the T-shirts is, again, is just the awareness, just like a water watcher tag. But the, but the T-shirt is just making aware that drowning happens. And I'm a warrior for drowning. Anybody can. We were all warriors. Uh, 
Um, so I, you know, I don't own the name or anything like that, but it's just, it's just a heightened awareness. And then, you know, saying that's my superpower. And then we have plans of bringing in an actual character, a superhero character, um, that we want to do. And, um, and then actually this, uh, my grandson, I shared with yesterday, every superhero character has to have a sidekick. So he came up with this idea over the last weekend and says, well, grandpa, he says, your superhero, which will be, you know, the superhero's name will be drowning warrior uh, needs a sidekick. And he says, call him vest boy. <laughs> so he's a, he'll be a, char- a, a childlike character that will wear, a, you know, like a coast guard approved vest, you know, in a character type thing. And then, you know, developing this, uh, a line of education where the drowning warrior is there for, you know, the parents and for other things and for children, but then vest boy will really target towards or that character, whether or not that'll be his name or not, but that's the direction that we're growing. So that might be kind of our educational piece. I like the name Best Boy a lot, actually. I think that's really good. Yeah. And, and, you know, my 10 uh, year old grandson comes up with this idea. And then of course he says every, and he says, then he has to have his own sidekick because he has an annoying sister. He says, and then a character that's, you know, here comes the drowning warrior with his sidekick best boy and his annoying sister, um, water wing girls, what he says. <laughs> but, uh, I said, well, you know, you'll start spending a lot of money because these characters are what, like five, $6,000 to have made. So they're not really cheap, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, but we're paying for a lot of these things out of our own pocket. And so it's kind of like trying to move things. So that's kind of where the t-shirt deal and the membership part is that way it makes our message and allows me to do what I'm doing, you know, on a full-time basis, but be able to get out there to reach, reach more people and get the messaging. So, so yeah, I, I, I can definitely uh, supply you with a link in order to get a t-shirt if that's what you want to do. And then we are getting ready to here, hopefully in the next few weeks to, to really get our membership portion kind of launched and, and get that going and begin to give a lot of value. And not only that, start working and putting together things from a co-branding, you know, situation where through membership and driving that and then getting, getting physical items, physical, physical things to reminders that with a messaging and getting people, even if it's a pop socket or, you know, something like a, a pen, you know, that people can leave at a, a counter, a desk, uh, everything that's some type of co-branding stuff and just and giving this stuff away through the membership and then building, building a, a platform that, you know, hope maybe we can have tens of thousands of, you know, readers to our blog and, and email list that, when we co-brand something, we can get your message. We can get, you know, all the other organization messages, you know, in front of so many more people and begin to use the power of the internet and also reach doctors and, and be able to target pediatricians and, and maybe in rural areas that maybe don't have the access to, you know, a YMCA and other educational information, if, especially if they're not attending conferences, you know, that might, you know, deal with these because if they don't go to an educational conference that deals and gets in and they, and they don't themselves get educated about drowning, then they're not going to educate their patients and their people about drowning. So, so we have to educate them first so then they can begin to educate others. Absolutely. Um, I mean, hundred percent, the, the legendary uh, national hero known as Bob Pratt writes, uh, water safety <laughs> is a national effort in every other country. Uh, our NLI, Canadian Life Saving Society, SLSA, all, all of our foundations, alliances, and projects broke over funding, just like you're talking about. Uh, why is there no national water safety agency funded by the federal government? That's an excellent question, and I don't have an answer for that. You know, we, there really yeah. is no, <laughs> no, there isn't a Department of Water Safety, right? Um, and he's right, you know, there's a Canadian Life Saving Society, uh, Australia has theirs, 
but the U.S. for some reason doesn't seem to have a nationally funded uh, drowning prevention organization. Well, and if you go on Google and you search the term, you know, the keywords uh, water safety, you get everything about drinking water. Right. You, you see very, you, you don't see anything about, I mean, maybe buried pages down, but on the first page of Google, um, it's all about, you know, Flint, Michigan, drinking water, this drinking water, whatever. And, you know, our, our bottled water, tap water, um, and not about pool safety. And uh, I totally agree. I mean, again, I think that's part of the messaging part and getting that, or that, you know, um, that messaging, but change, begin to change the laws and change things, pulling some of these products off the shelves, because, you know, you can get on TV today and see a national company, you know, advertising their product and showing a kid things on his arm, jumping into a pool today. That's 25 years later. After I put those on my daughter, they're still out there. So if we're out there educating people about not to wear these and then they're getting messaging, even though that might be kind of a subliminal because the messaging might be about buying, you know, tickets to a water park, but they're showing, you know, kid jumping in the pool with mom and dad, you know, with a water, with, you know, um, blow up floaties on their arms. Um, then, you know, that's kind of a conflict in our messaging where, because people regard these people as, you know, experts, they regard these people as, as, as upstanding businesses within the community. And then we come in and say, don't, you shouldn't wear it. So they're really getting this kind of conflicting messaging from the media. And so I believe that, you know, that's gotta be a push to get to these companies and say, Hey, pull that advertising off. You know, you know, do you realize what, you know, you're, what you're doing is counterintuitive to what our messaging is. And so let's get, let's all get on the same page, you know, with these businesses and companies that are, that have the multi-million dollar budgets to put out the, you know, the advertising, let's get them advertising in a responsible way. And then we can turn around. And then I think that then our messaging, when we start telling people, because they'll stop seeing these things. And then if we can get the laws changed to where we can basically have a lot of these products, maybe outlawed and pulled off the shelf, but you know, to get the government and Congress and everything behind that, when you got the Walmarts of the world and all the big companies that just put millions and billions of lobbyists fight the fight against actions, then, you know, which is going to take millions and millions of people and, and a lot of money in which to do it. And, um, but you know, mothers against drunk driving did it. And all the other organizations that have changed laws have done it. And so from that standpoint, you know, we've got the people and we just, you know, you know, maybe with like Bob saying, have a national you know, water safety organization that, you know, and, 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 and that is government. I know we got poolsafely.gov and we've got the NDPA and you got USA Swimming, you got all these other organizations, but which are, which are all doing great work and they need to continue doing their work. But again, having kind of a, you know, um, like a head at the top, you know, and then saying, okay, here's, let's bring all this together. And uh, so, but, you know, I guess the biggest question is who's going to lead that? <laughs> Maybe Bob can. Here we go. You, you are. Oh, me? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's usually what happens because I, when I was at the NDPA conference in April, I, I uh, Pam Cannell out of Fort Worth, Texas, you, you know her, right? And everything. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, I spoke a lot with her. We went out to dinner and lunch and everything. Next thing I know, now um, I'm working with Adam on a project for New Orleans next year. And she wants me involved also in the 2020 
conference in um, in uh, Fort Worth. So so uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if you speak up too much, next thing you know, it's just like any organization. Uh, you're going to be uh, volunteering and say, well, now you've got a project to work on. So right. uh, I guess watch what you say, right? Sometimes, otherwise, you'll find find biting off more than what you can chew. But uh, but no, um, that's what I'm here for. I'm I'm here. I you know I, I look at people. I say, use me and abuse me. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's what I want to do. 100%. Um, Stephanie Robertson writes, I feel our insurance company should pay for swimming lessons. I know I'm dreaming of that will never happen, but it's not, it, but it's just as important, if not more important than going to a dentist or doctor for vaccines. Um, you know, I've thought, uh, insurance companies should give, uh, rebates or lower insurance rates for people who install a pool fence or install other pool safety letters of protection. Well, I've been saying that for a long time. And I think some do, but I don't think it's um, across the board. You know, I don't think that all insurance companies, you know, at least they don't advertise it, that, you know, you can get a lower insurance rate if you install a pool fence, uh, which makes sense to me. I mean, you do it if you get a security at your, at your house, if you put up cameras, if you're a safe driver, you know, if, it seems like if you make your pool safer, that would be in their best interest. Right, right. Well, yeah, just like if you go buy a, an Audi uh, car, you know, that's or, or one of those cars that's much, you know, built on built around safety versus buying a, you know, a, a, another car that's, you know, uh, much less expensive, but uh, but may not have all the safety features, you know, insurance companies, but you pay a lot more money for the product. But in turn, you save some money on the insurance. And so the insurance industry already does that. But I, you know, that, that was a point you what's what you're saying. I, you know, I, I kind of assumed they did that. Um, I guess that's one, uh, little uh, tidbit of information I wasn't aware of because I know when I had my pool, all my insurance agent told me, uh, carry a million dollar umbrella <laughs> is what he told me and bare minimum, because in case a kid climbs your fence and drowns, you're going to get sued. And that's, and that's what he told me. But other than that, so we put up a fence based on what the bare minimums were based on what we could afford. And that's what we did. And, um, you know, but, you know, I, but I think Stephanie, as far as finding, you know, um, you know, swimming lessons and having a national organization that, you know, maybe somehow can fund some type of, you know, programs that might, um, do, um, you know, swim lessons and get, everybody on the same page because if I wanted to attend ISR or have my child, I think the closest instructor is in Dayton, which is like 35, 40 miles from me. And, um, and so, um, and then the the other part of that is the adult swimming. Um, you know, USA swimming has that scholarship that I think pays for, you know, instructors to become adult swimmers. You know, my, my wife today, she'll probably hate me for saying this, but she doesn't know how to swim. (laughs) And, uh, you know, she doggy paddles, but, uh, um, you know, I told her, I says, you know, she needs to learn to swim, but she has a fear of water. You know, she gets on any boat or ship. She's always got her life jacket on. I mean, she just has a natural fear of water. And my understanding is when it comes to adults versus children, children are, you know, have a natural, I guess, um, curiosity. Yeah. 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 They don't. In other words, children just naturally are not afraid of water in most cases, I guess. And whereas adults, you know, at some point in time, they build up a fear. And then um, so it's a whole different type of instructors. So that's a whole nother different element. And um, and, you know, I guess the closest adult um, instructor that teaches these adult, I mean, really uh, teaches these adult type swim lessons. The closest one, I think, is in Indiana, like maybe 60, 70, 80 miles away. And um, 
And so in order to, you know, I guess, you know, adults can go to our local Y and take lessons, but, you know, but most of those instructors are really trained to teach children, not adults, because I guess it could take an adult couple, two, three, four, five, six weeks or longer, maybe just to get from sitting on the edge of the pool to get in the pool. And so it's a whole different element. Uh, and I think that's, that's because as parents, you know, we need to lead by example. So if we want to be safe with safety, you know, we need to lead an example. So if we expect our children, we expect other people to do things and we need to lead by example and show them the example of what we need to be. And then I think people will begin to follow that too. For sure. So, um, to wrap this up, tell me, um, you know, kind of how people can find you, how people can help you. And, and then after that, I want to ask you, you know, what recommendations you have for parents. Um, well, first of all, you can go to the kelsgroup.com. Okay. You can reach me there. We also have, um, uh, um, my Facebook page, which is under the Kels group. So you can go to Kels group on, you know, or Facebook backslash or forward slash the Kels group. Um, also on Facebook under my name, Richard Kaufman, personally, if you want to find me there, um, we're on Instagram under Richard Kaufman, uh, another section of my sister business, which is Kels marketing. Um, and then, um, also on, we're on Twitter, uh, under Kels marketing and, uh, with a focus on water safety under Kels group. Um, and so uh, um, you can email me at, you know, rick at the kelsgroup.com is my business website um, or business uh, email address. And uh, um, on my website, it's got my cell phone numbers and other things that they can reach out. Um, I'm available to anybody that wants to chat, talk, whatever, um, you know, uh, just from the standpoint, you know, my background's in business. So, you know, getting, you know, helping people to begin to run their nonprofit organizations. I strictly only work with nonprofits. So showing them how to begin to run their nonprofits from a business person standpoint and think like a business person. And, um, even though they're a nonprofit, but, and, 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 and working them, I'll give a little tidbit of information that people can take. If you are, if that we do a lot and we talk a lot and we get some success with, um, and I'll use this, I'll just frame the example this way. Let's say I have a foundation here locally and we'll just call it Jill's foundation. She has an event coming up. It might be a small event. Let's say she needs a hundred t-shirts, just, you know, like something like I'm wearing here and she wants her message put on a t-shirt we would go we actually go she she gives us some referrals we actually get on the phone we call we call and then we make the contact with the business owner and we begin to build a partnership between the nonprofit and the business owner and what we do is we find a business owner that will underwrite what this nonprofit is doing so that way the nonprofit has an event where they can have little to no expense at all and then and then we go and put that together. So let's say Jill's foundation wants hundred t-shirts. I go to mom and pop pizza. Okay. When, you know, my background in business, when I would have a nonprofit come in, I would either just write the check or I would donate goods and services, never knowing or understanding what my ROI is going to be on that, you know, but because it's, I get a, to pat myself on the back and I feel good because businesses want to partner with nonprofits because, but this is all about driving traffic because the nonprofit knows people that the business does and we can allow the business to get in front of a new potential clientele. So if I go down here to say mom and pop's pizza shop and I approach them about, and I can show them how, you know, Jill's foundation needs a hundred t-shirts. So, so let's co-brand that hundred t-shirt where it says, you know, Jill's foundation doing ABC partners with, you know, mom mom and pop's pizza shop, wear this t-shirt in and receive 10% off of every pizza. 
then, you know, people buy pizzas every single week, right? Most do. I know we do a lot of times. And so I can wear that T-shirt. So that gives them the reason not only to wear the T-shirt, but wear the T-shirt and we can drive traffic. It becomes measurable to the business because the business is going to see the return. And if they had a 20% return rate on 100 T-shirts, which cost the business $1,000, and then they get a return of, you know, let's say the average pizza, they spend 20 bucks. So they give a 10% off because somebody wears a T-shirt. It's kind of like wearing your coupon on your on your back, right? And so I wear that shirt in and then they give up $2. So they sell a pizza for $18. And let's say the life of the T-shirt lasts for 10 weeks and they have 20%, just 20 people. They drive over, over $3,600 worth of business over a 10-week period that they paid $1,000 for. And so from that standpoint, Jill's foundation now has 100 T-shirts, which she didn't have to pay for. Let's say the cost of the shirts were 10 bucks if they really had lots of, you know, different type of artworks and colors and everything. So, you know, if she saved $1,000, if she chooses to sell those shirts at $5 a piece, she not only makes an extra five bucks, but, you know, or, or whatever she wants to sell the shirts for or just give the shirts away. But that's an expense that she doesn't have. So there's a little there's a little nugget for everybody who because everybody wants to do T-shirts, right? <laughs> so. So here's a way you can do your T-shirts for your next event and have somebody else pay for them. Just show the benefit to the business. So because the business says, if I can show the business how he can profit, then, you know, the likelihood I can justify the expense. And then once he measures that and he sees the, the results from a campaign like that, I can go back to him over and over and over again and get more money, more product. And you don't even need to be a nonprofit to do this because the ad, because the business can code that as advertising, which now becomes tax deductible for the business. So you don't necessarily have to be a 501c3 to, to be able to, you know, say that way they can give a thousand dollars for a tax level donation. The the thousand dollars for the t-shirts goes to advertising. And so that's a way to get around that. If, if you are struggling as a a person who wants to start a nonprofit, but people are saying, Hey, if you're not, but then, you know, if you're not a charity, I can't support you. Well, here's a way that maybe you can go to a mom and pop business because mom and pop businesses want to do what the big corporations do, but they don't have the budgets, but you can show them how it can do it. So anyways, that's my two cents there. And, and, and I'm sorry. And I totally forgot your other question. <laughs> my question was, if you had to leave a piece of advice with parents, you know, to keep their pool and their children safer, what would it be? Oh boy, I tell you, that's a, that's an awesome question because there's, there's probably a million questions, a million different answers possibly to that question. Um, thinking, thinking with what my messaging, what I talk about is um, when I taught, I would say for the average parent out there, the average person who's like me, that whether or not they have a pool or they don't have a pool, because I think a lot of the people that don't concern themselves with drowning probably don't have pools. But to understand that drowning, to understand that it can happen to you, okay? Because most people don't believe, like myself, I didn't believe it would happen to me. Most of the stories say it's, you know, um, I never thought it would happen. Bodie Miller even said, I never would have dreamt that this would have happened. Um, you know, so just understanding of that, but, you know, but they know, but they, but they're afraid of, you know, they put their child in a car seat because they're afraid of, you know, they want to give that child every opportunity to survive a car accident. If the jerk coming down the road is texting, goes left to center and hits me head on. 
And, and so, you know, that those are circumstances that are out of my control and understand that an only person's actions I can control are my own. I cannot control the actions of my child, regardless of their age. I can't control the actions of the other people that I expect that might be watching my child. And, um, and knowing that, you know, the only actions I can control is what I do and understand that it can happen to me. And that, that would be my message to, you know, probably say, you know, to parents and, uh, and, and that's, that's a tough one to get across to a lot of people. Perfect. Well, well, thank you so much for this, Rick. I've, I've really enjoyed this. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. It's, it's been wonderful. And, uh, again, especially given that it's the, the 25th anniversary you know, of Kelsey passing away, you know, it, it means a lot truly that you, uh, you decided to come today and talk to me. So, well, I appreciate you having me this day and I've, you know, got a lot of things to do this day and, you know, other places to go. And, um, you know, that's, but at the same time, I really, really appreciate your time and, and everything. And then everybody in the drowning space, I truly appreciate every single thing that everybody does, uh, from the bottom of my heart. And, um, um, you know, in, in, just keep doing what we're doing and you know, we will get to where we want to be, uh, you know, um, whether or not, you know, and just hopefully we can get there a little faster. Uh, I guess that's what I'm after. <laughs> it's a, and because every day that goes by is just another chance for, you know, uh, to reach another person that maybe wouldn't hear, hear about this. And so, um, so I appreciate everything you do, Eric. And I will definitely, you know, anybody I talk to, uh, they're going to know about what you guys do with Lifesaver Pool Fence. And, and so I will, you know, because I stand behind what you guys do and the layers of protection and your education, you know, 120%. And uh, so, so I'm there with you, man. All right. Well, everybody go check out the Kels Group, uh, Drowning Warriors, Richard Kaufman. It, it's, he's doing great work. So. Thanks, Rich, and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day.